1: New Orleans, 111 yards, two TDs on eight receptions. Tyrell Williams for Oakland, also 105 yards, six receptions, one TD in the post-Antonio Brown world that is now the Oakland Raiders. In Major League Baseball, two Cubs are hurting. Javier Baez is not expected back this month. He's been dealing with a thumb injury and his teammate Chris Bryant is expected to be out at least a couple of days after getting a cortisone injection on his ailing right knee on Sunday. And in Major League Baseball, a happy return at Fenway Park on Monday night. David Ortiz Throughout the first pitch, his first time at Fenway after his shooting earlier this year. I'm Dan Schaffer, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network news update.
0: Stay tuned at the top of every hour for your latest news updates,
1: folks. We're going on grid.
0: This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. At the window. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell.
2: 58-yard attempt for the win. Snap, placement, Lux leans into it. Lux has got
0: the distance. Oh, he's got it! Saints win! New
3: Orleans gets the W in the season opener, and Will Lux is the hero! Welcome in to At the Window here on the Sports Grid TV Network, Zumo TV channel 719. I am Sean Gwasamake, and you just heard Westwood One's call of the finish of the New Orleans Saints win 30 to 28 over the Houston Texans. Will Lutz on the 58-yard field goal. That of course is Iron Eagle, the great Iron Eagle on the call. We thank them uh for playing that highlight. What a game that was. What a Monday night football, week one game. It had everything you could imagine, just an ending that I loved. 58-yard field goal at the Superdome. But it's kind of marred by the refs blowing calls in the first half. They cost the Saints 15 seconds, right, because they had a 10-second runoff, but they started the clock too early. They admitted to the mistake. Al Riveron came out today in the NFL they should have had 15 more seconds. And of course, well, Lutz missed a 56 yard field goal. Maybe they would have been closer. And that's three points, right, that they missed out on. Then, of course, in the fourth quarter, the Saints, uh, the Saints were cost a point because the extra point to put the Texans ahead, 27 to 26, was missed, 28 to 27, rather, was missed initially. But then they called a roughen the kicker penalty. To me, it didn't affect the, uh, the kicker. It was after the fact. It, it should have not been called by the, the refs. In any event, they did. And then the second chance for the Texans kicker, he, he booted it through. Closer range, of course. And they had a one-point lead. But luckily, the Saints came back. In this game, though, what is going on defensively in the closing minutes of that football game? The Saints right had a 4 point lead on the texans with less than a minute to go and they allowed Deshaun Watson to go down the field in like three plays to score a touchdown play the prevent stop with the man to man defense it was just mind boggling putting them on islands and Kenny Stills with the touchdown reception putting the texans up after that extra point one point with like 30 seconds to go in the game and Drew Brees 6 seconds to, la- uh, to go right gets that seven- to eight-yard gain that he needed to get into field goal range. What are the Texans doing playing prevent there? You got to get up closer to the wide receivers. You can't allow Drew Brees with six seconds left and no timeouts to get that extra yardage. Just I I don't don't know what's going on there defensively with these two teams in the closing minutes, but baffling to me. But I thought the Saints blew it. They had um, a pass with 16 seconds left and a timeout. And rather than call that timeout, they they uh, clocked the ball, and I, I thought that 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 was a mistake. They should have called the timeout with 16 seconds left. It worked out, but it's still a 58 yard field goal. I mean, the chances of, of that going through it's it's as small. So they got lucky there. But the Saints did win the ball game. One takeaway from this: Deshaun Watson still getting killed. Six sacks allowed by the offensive line of the Texans and Laramie Tunsell, For what it's worth, he was just didn't play well. Right. Um, he allowed a big sack in the closing minutes there as well. So he needs to play better. I'll give him a break. Just uh, was acquired from the Miami Dolphins. Has to get acclimated to the system. But still, he should be in, in shape. He's a left tackle. Shouldn't be uh, look that poor on pass protection in the closing minutes when you need him best. But another six sacks for Deshaun Watson, who's holding his back in the game. I mean, Will Watson last 16 games. That's my whole thing with the Texans. That's what scares me if I'm a Texans fan. Watson's still getting killed back there with that poor offensive line. One tackle is not going to improve the line that much. And so that, that worries me. Watson does hold on to the football a little too long, tries to get those deep passes. But it works with Hopkins, Stills, and, you know, they get the ball deep. Conversely, the Saints... One pass for Drew Brees over 20 yards, and that was on that third and two in the in, in uh, their own territory to Ted Ginn, that bomb to Ted Ginn, underthrown by Drew Brees, by the way, too. I mean, it would have been a touchdown if Drew Brees leads Ted Ginn uh, a little bit there and throws it correctly. That's worrisome if you're a Saints fan, or maybe not, because that's their offense with Michael Thomas and Kamara. They like to dink and dunk down the football field, but I don't think Drew Brees at 40 years old has the arm strength to really play a vertical game. And it's working for them. But you have to be a little concerned. I am with Drew Brees, his arm strength. Only one pass attempt over 20 yards. And that came with like three minutes ago in the fourth quarter in that one. Hey, th- they were a blown call away from going to the Super Bowl last year. This formula works. Uh, Drew Brees hasn't lost that much since last year. But if you're a defense knowing that, that he's, Brees is not challenging you vertically. Not, he's not going to. You know, switch up the defense, knowing that. And that goes to the Patriots, too, and Tom Brady. They are the favorites in the AFC, as I talked about yesterday with the Chiefs. Chiefs, the one team that can challenge them, but Patriots are definitely the favorites, of course. It's not rocket science. We all, we all know that, especially with AB. But Brady, and even though he got the ball down the football field, he's still 42 years old, doesn't have a lot of arm strength as much as he did when he was younger. You know, this whole um, narrative of the way you beat Brady is you got to sack him and put pressure on him. Of course, any quarterback you put pressure on, it's going to be successful. But Blitz and Brady, I don't know if I'd do that at this age. I know it worked, you know, in the past. But Blitz and Brady now, I'd I'd play three-man defensive line, drop eight against Brady. He's going to dink and dunk everywhere. You know, get as many defenders as possible. Um, You want to give Brady time? Sure, he's going to dissect you and he's going to, Defeat you, but he can't throw the ball deep. Can't throw the ball deep anymore. I don't care. His arm strength is not what it once was. All right, he can't really move as much as he could in the past, and it's not really saying much. He's forty-two years old. Of course, he's not going to move like he did when he was thirty-two. But it, no one could could a- actually uh, come up with this um, a proper game plan since the Giants beat uh, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, uh, can is, Are we going to see again? Does, Brady and Breeze dinking and dunking with these little th- four and five yard passes to Edelman and Antonio Brown. We're going to see shortly, right? And then conversely with the Saints, Kamara and with Michael Thomas. I mean, it's just I, I these offenses. You know, it's I hate to it just frustrates me that no one can, you know, properly defeat Breeze and Brady at, at this advanced age in their careers. Still forty or forty two, still dominating the NFL. Amazing. We'll get into some more NFL. Odell Beckham with his watch. More to come here on At The Window. And what happened? Broncos didn't cover two and a half. We're all losers in that one. Raiders, wow. That's next here on At The Window on the Sports Grid.
1: Lose weight now. Go to fat100.com. Lose that unwanted belly fat today and get free information at fat100.com. Fit in the dress or pants or bathing suits you've always wanted to. Go to fat100.com. Lose 10, 20, or more pounds immediately. Go to fat100.com. For free information on how you can lose weight, go to fat100.com. Fat100.com.
0: Andro400.com or call 888 400 0435. 888 400 0435. Andro400.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property?
5: Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates?
0: The morning after, in the bathroom, a dude asks, "What state is uh, Buffalo from?" Anyways, man, he goes, "Man, there's a lot of Bill fans here. What state are they from?" Everybody sort of does a head turn, looks over, and somebody says, it's "From New York." He goes, oh, I, I didn't know that because he goes, uh, I'm a Giant fan, so I don't, I don't know where Buffalo's from." Like, come on, man, Buffalo. What difference does it make if you're a Giant or a Jet fan? You don't know that Buffalo is in New York. Weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, on Evan Tsy Radio and on Sumo TV, channel 719.
3: Back on At The Window on the Sports Grid TV Network. I am Sean Guasamacca. Coming up in about 10, 12 minutes from now, Albert Chen, sports writer for Sports Illustrated, but he's joining me to talk about his new book, Billion Dollar Fantasy, the high-stakes game between FanDuel and DraftKings. Can't wait to get into that with Arthur. Did a great job uh, writing this book and so many questions uh, with Albert, rather, uh, so many questions to ask Albert Chen coming up in about 10, 15 minutes from now, college football talk, week three slate, get into that as well. Not a ton of interesting games this week. Let's be honest. It's, it's a lousy week as far as matchups. but there's always upsets. You never know, right? We say that, all right, there's nothing to, to watch going into Saturday, but always, there's always an upset or two, and it's always interesting. So always have to watch, especially with so much at stake in college football. Every week. You have to watch every week. So uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the slate early preview of the betting lines and, and, and what have you with uh, some of the key games uh, like Syracuse and Clemson. It was minus 27 and a half. Clemson favored in that one. We'll see where, where it's at today. That's a little bit later on as well. But, and, uh, you know, this, this just came down. The NFLPA is going to look into the beer uh, spraying incident with the Titans and uh, the Browns, the Browns fans uh, after the Titans scored a touchdown, they sprayed while well, one of the players, Logan Ryan, with with beer, and the NFLPA is is looking into that and looking in ways to protect their their players. Get into that and give you my my take on that. Just coming up in just a second, but wanted to talk more about the NFL and yesterday bad beats. I mean, not really not bad beats, but I had the Saints minus six and a half. They didn't cover. Thanks, Drew Brees, for that, for underthrowing Ted Ginn Jr. It would have been up 10 points. Maybe it would have been a different discussion. The Broncos, everyone had the Broncos minus 2.5 going against the Raiders. All the distractions uh, going on in, in Oakland Raiders land. You know, They had hard knocks this year, and then Antonio Brown. Just every day, something new, something else. But they came out, and they were impressive. 24-16 winners over the Broncos. Defensively, Cleveland Farrow was much better. Uh, their whole defensive front played much better than last year. One of the worst defenses in the league, if not the worst, in the National Football League last year. Now, part of that is the Broncos' fault. I mean, their offense wasn't fantastic. Nothing really uh, hard to to guard against. I mean, yeah, Sanders and Sutton played well uh, for the Broncos. Flacco he was sacked under pressure a lot, put up okay numbers. This is Joe Flacco, 268 passing yards and a touchdown. Lindsey and Freeman, the dual-headed running back tandem of, of the Broncos, they had their, their moments, but nothing, nothing great. This game was pretty much the Raiders dominated from, from the opening kickoff. First drive, controlled the ball for more than six minutes, went down there, scored a touchdown right off the bat. Derek Carr was impressive, looked great. Can they keep it up, though, the Raiders? Are they going to win over the six and a half or what well, win total Vegas had them at going into the season? Uh, might have been lower at some books at some point for the Oakland Raiders, but right now, if you're looking at the Raiders, Trent Brown, tremendous pickup the highest paid offensive line, uh, free agency contract in the history of the NFL. He played for the New England Patriots. last year was a left tackle now he's a right tackle for the Oakland Raiders. That's paying dividends. I mean, Bradley Chubb and Von Milt didn't even touch okay, Derek Carr. So Trent Brown, impressive, all six foot eight, three hundred and eighty pounds. He's the biggest guy or man in the NFL. Has to be. Has to be. Who's, who weighs more than three hundred and eighty pounds, six foot eight? He's a mountain of a man, and it can move too. He's playing right tackle this year, but he was a left tackle for the Super Bowl winning Patriots last year. So, I mean, one man made a difference at least for one game against a Vic Vangio defense with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Impressive, and Derek Wolf too. Don't forget about him too. He's on the on the interior on on the inside. He he could uh. Uh, rush to passer as well. No Richie Incognito, no Gabe Jackson for that offensive line. It's only going to get better. Think about that. Their two uh, starting guards did not play in this game. Cognito suspended, of course, first two weeks of the NFL season. Gabe Jackson, uh, MCL injury. He'll, he'll be back at some point. Josh Jacobs ran the rock. I mean, a lot of carries for him. 85 rushing yards, 23 carries. Rookie from Alabama. Two touchdowns. There's a lot to like about the Raiders. Maybe we we were all wrong about the Raiders. And John Gruden, like, he's not innovative. I'll be the first one uh, on that bandwagon. I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. It's one game we tend to overreact, but let's do it. Let's overreact, right? Let's overreact. Raiders are going to be a playoff uh, contender in the AFC? Maybe. I mean, look at the Jets. The Jets, I thought, going in, but... And they finally signed a place kicker, thankfully, um, because the kicker lost the game for the Jets in part. And also, uh, you got to give the Bills credit, but... um, Jets, the Bills, they're all going to be in, in, in contention for that wild card. One team uh, looking at the early lines for week number two in the NFL. The Jags are at the Houston Texans. Big game for both teams now. Divisional game, both 0-1. No Nick Foles for seven, eight more weeks. You have Gardner Minshew now under center. The Jags need to get off uh, to a better start. They can't drop to 0-2. Texans at home. Now they're home opener. We're on the road in week one. Eight-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. I know what you're saying, right? Uh, Watson, who's going to stop? That, that defense going to have trouble, right? They, they had trouble with the Chiefs. I don't think so. That's a top-five Jaguars defense last year. They didn't look all that impressive, but Miles Jack getting ejected in, what, the second quarter, that kind of hurt hurt them. But you're not going to slow down the Chiefs. I mean, as much as Tyreek Hill was out at, with, an, with an injury as well, right? That kind of balances off Miles Jack. Uh, They'll take it if you Jacksonville, actually. But Watkins went nuts. Uh, they have so many weapons The Chiefs. You're not going to slow them down. But the Texans, they have a lot of weapons as well. At wide receiver, we went over it with Hopkins. Now with stills. Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson. I mean, Watson is a great quarterback. Um, but the Jags should be able to pressure the Texans. That'll change everything. They, you know, with that front. Josh um, Allen, Calais Campbell, Uh, they should be able to put pressure. Or Saldarius to a degree, they should be able to put pressure on the Texans. And and with Jalen Ramsey back there, best corner in in the NFL, didn't play like it in week one, but he'll be better. Uh, I expect a closer game than this. I'm taking the Jags plus eight and a half as we speak on a Tuesday. That's my first look at these lines. I'm taking the Jags. First look, we'll have the final picks. On Friday, when, when, when you get into it, Joe Ranieri should, uh, of the morning line, of the make it rain in the morning after, and in-game live. He's all over this network. He'll join me. We'll do some picks uh, later on this week. The other first glance, Buffalo Bills, two-point two, two favorites, was two-and-a-half, over the Giants on the road. Don't have a great feel for this game. As much as I'm happy and impressed with the Bills sneaking one, or stealing one, rather, against the Jets in week, week number one, they have a lot to work on namely the mistakes of Josh Allen. You can't turn the football over 4 times in a game and expect to win all the time. All right, they need to do a better job. Josh Allen needs to do a better job of controlling the football and having a consistent running game. All right, that's what I want to see. The Bills defense will be there. It'll be, it'll be nasty. But what's the one thing about the Bills defense that we're uh, you know, you're nervous about? And that's run defense. The Bills can be run on. Their defense can be run on. Saquon Barkley 120 rushing yards. You, uh, uh, Pat Shermer addressed it. Why didn't you, you run the football more with Saquon Barkley? Plan on more uh, a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley this week with the Giants at home, needing a win. I don't like the game. I don't like the spread, but uh, you know, I could. You know, right now, I'd favor the Giants slightly um, in this game. Um, we'll see what happens, but uh, expect a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley uh, against the Buffalo Bills. All right, the other, the other early line that jumped out at me is, is the one that we're all talking about, that, the 18 and a half now. This is FanDuel Sportsbook, probably 19 elsewhere, maybe even 20. The Patriots are favored 18 and a half over the Dolphins in week number two. And we keep mentioning you could have, when the Lions came out last Friday, you could have had the Patriots minus nine and a half. Nine and a half against the Dolphins, so it makes a big difference. Got to look at these early lines when they come out. See, if you, if, you, if you know football, if you watch football, you could really have a, a big advantage. I'll take the, the Patriots at my, uh, nine and a half. I'm not taking the Patriots at 18 and a half. No chance. I'm not. I'm not. It's a sucker bet. I'm not taking it, and I'm not taking the uh, Dolphins at plus 18 and a half. I'm passing all the way on this game, but I would have. If I, I, if I was jumping on early lines, the nine and a half, are you crazy? Uh, Patriots over the Dolphins? Definitely. And Friday should have took it at nine and a half, was definitely a favorable play. All right, that'll do it for the early week two NFL lines. We'll come back with Albert Chen, Sports Illustrated writer, talking about billion dollar fantasy, his new book. That's next FanDuel versus DraftKings, right here on At the Window on the SportsGrid TV network.
0: Go to GameFacegrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Game time decisions. Sammy Watkins and a great pickup by UK. I kept Sammy Watkins on the bench. I drafted him in your league, but I put him in
3: and I took him out. <laughs> I think I, I I think I put in Sony Michelle and Flexed or something instead, so I get no credit for that. I have to be honest with you on the show. But I did draft Sammy Watkins and
0: uh, after that performance, he will be my lineup a few more times, I'm thinking. <laughs> I still won. Yeah, he still then won without him. catches. Weekdays, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on Sumo TV, Channel 719.
3: Back on At the Window on the Sports Grid TV Network, Sumo TV, Channel 719. Welcome in, Albert Chen, my next guest. He is the author of the new book, Billion Dollar Fantasy, the High Stakes Game Between FanDuel and DraftKings, that upended sports in America. Albert, thanks for the time. Welcome to the show. Appreciate a couple of minutes here.
6: Thanks so much for having me.
3: Albert, what motivated you to write this book?
6: Oh, boy. I don't even know where to begin with that. But uh, it definitely was the big kind of fall of 2015 when, as Trevor Noah put it, um, you couldn't turn on your TV set without seeing a zombie, a Kardashian, or a fantasy football ad, and these guys were everywhere. I mean, it was a massive advertising campaign that was completely astonishing. And my question at that point was, where is this all headed? With these two companies that you know, I'd begun following the year before, and to me, daily fantasy was you know kind of a niche industry, sort of a quirky sort of interesting story. And then it just absolutely (laughs) exploded into this thing in 2015. So to me, it was a clear story. The only question was, where was the story going to go? And how was I going to tell that story?
3: So talk about some of the battles. So in this book between FanDuel and DraftKings, some of the more interesting information that you found out that's in this book that would, I guess, some of the DFS, the daily fantasy players that would, people would find very interesting. What, what's the, the one, I guess, good story of, about the high-stakes battle between these two companies?
6: Well, I think that, I mean, there's countless boardroom uh, situations like where you have essentially, um, you know, these escalations over just conversations that, okay, suddenly a 20 million ad spend is $40 million. And, you know, I think, what to me at the end of the day, this story is about is about the characters that are just kind of like, how did they end up, you know, being a part of this massive story in the sports industry. And one is the chief marketing officer for FanDuel um, who was behind all the ads for FanDuel and behind all these ads that, you know, we saw in our living rooms. And uh, this is a mother of three in Scotland who doesn't, have really a clear understanding of exactly what the fantasy sports industry is, nor is she a sports fan. Her husband was the CEO of FanDuel and also was not a sports fan. And so they're clashing, you know, with this band of fantasy sports nerds from Boston who come in and they come in pretty late to the game and they just become bitter rivals, and the people in the industry called the the DraftKings guys the suicide bombers. So, because they just raised an insane amount of money and, and just burned through it all, and just wanted to blow up the in- industry entirely. So, at the end of the day, the the core uh, conflict in the story is the the cl- clash between these two companies, and you know how it just completely exploded.
3: Well, I was working in the industry back in 2015, 2014 in national sports talk radio, and yes, I mean Fanduel and DraftKings—you couldn't go anywhere without hearing an ad. I mean, every show—they uh, were all over the place, and even sporting events. And as Trevor Noah, as you just quoted, Trevor Noah—he's uh, right. I mean, zombies, Kardashian, and and you know this DFS, this daily fantasy sports with Fanduel and DraftKings was everywhere. I mean, it was ubiquitous. It was every, and so. I understand that aspect of it, but right now it's still pretty popular. I mean, we we do a lot of DFS on this show as well, and on this network, Uh, it's still pretty popular with FanDuel and DraftKings. How has it changed since then? With with, when they started out, these these two companies with the FBI looking into them and, and such. How has has the game changed?
6: Well, it's changed dramatically in that they're not really DFS. Com- I mean, they still are DFS companies, but what they are going forward now is, is they're gambling companies. I mean, there's no question about what they will be going forward. It's all about sports gambling. Um, you know, you look at New Jersey where sports gambling is legalized and there, you know, it, DraftKings, the, the DFS is 10% of their business. I mean, sports gambling is 50% of their business, and that's what it is going forward. It's, you know, me being able to cross the George Washington Bridge from Manhattan and going to, uh, you know, uh, a cafe or a sports yep. bar and being yep. able to put place bets on my phone. And that's what their business play is going forward. So, yeah, I mean, they've changed dramatically as companies what they are. Still got the DFS product. People love it. Um, but it's all about sports gambling going forward.
3: Albert, what, what, what was your feeling when doing research on this book as far as New York State legalizing sports betting? It's it's legal in Jersey, of course. It's been legal uh, ever since the Supreme Court overturned um, the, the law and what have you. Um, there seems to be not as much movement in the New York State. Do you get a sense that New York State will ultimately legalize sports betting?
6: Um, you know, some people thought it would happen this football season and it didn't. Um, you you can place bets actually on uh, in New York state. Um, but only in, you know, casinos um, you know, upstate. So, it's very very limited. I kind of think it's inevitable. I mean, I think that but that is sort of the tipping point where uh-huh. you know, that's going to be sort of the moment that is where people will be like, "Okay, now things have actually changed." Now, is it going to be next year? Is it going to be the year after? You know, I'm not sure. And that's what is very challenging and difficult for not only FanDuel and DraftKings, but really any company that wants to get into this business is there is a massive upside here. There's no question about it. This is the future of sports right here. But what is the timeline for all of this to, to happen? And so you have all these companies that are trying to position themselves, but they don't even know, you know, how many states are going to be, you know in this game a year from now and New York is the big one you know you have more yep. users customers in New York than anywhere else and whether or not it happens the next football season is a totally open question
3: we're talking about billion dollar fantasy the high stakes game between FanDuel and DraftKings that upended sports in America with author Albert Chen of course you probably read him in Sports Illustrated does a good job as a sports writer there and he is the author of this new book um, reading some of the excerpts uh, from this book, uh, you talk about like some of the risk involved in starting up this the, the FanDuel and DraftKings and some of the risks that they took uh, when they started and and uh, stories of uh, high stakes. Um, what are can, can you uh, kind of um, expand on, on that a little bit? Like, what were some of the more risky plays uh, with these companies um, starting out? Well, I, mean, I think that
6: just by virtue of just raising a lot of money and just burning through it, I mean that is yeah. that's a, a certainly a risky way to go about running a business. Is you know, okay, you're going to burn through all this money and you know not. Oh, have was it seven hundred and fifty million?
3: You said. I, I think I read that somewhere.
6: Was that? Yeah, I mean DraftKings raised probably more than that. Actually, wow. has raised more than that. Um, you know, and and at every round, they kind of more or less went through it pretty quickly just to acquire customers. But there was this belief that they were just going to continue to raise money and people would just give them more money, which which totally became, uh, you know, the reality. And yeah, I mean, there were, I think by virtue of being a company and a business, a startup, I mean, you're going to have to take gambles every day. You know, some of the bigger ones were they decided to settle with um, New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman. Who was investigating the companies, and they settled um, for twelve million dollars, which was a lot of money for a company like um, FanDuel and DraftKings. But that allowed them to get move past that part of it and get a bill passed in Albany um, to legalize daily fantasy sports in New York. So um, yeah. that was a risk. But if they had settled and that bill hadn't gone through, then I mean they would have been totally screwed. So yeah, yeah at every turn, there were there were calculated. Gambles made by these CEOs and and the leaders of the two companies, and um, and here we are, and and for the most part, they turned out they turned out okay.
3: And and you said what uh, daily fantasy now accounts for just what ten percent of their business? It's more in New sp-
6: Jersey for DraftKings for DraftKings. Okay. But I think that that signals what it is going yes. to be going forward. So um, you know, I think that look, I mean, there are only thirteen states. Where you can sports gamble, I mean, there are you know much fewer where you can actually gamble on your phones, um, yeah. you know, with FanDuel or DraftKings. So there's still primarily a daily fantasy business, but you know the play, no question, is is gambling going forward.
3: Albert, if if someone is not into fantasy sports and they come across your book on Amazon, or if they're in a Barnes and Noble, if people still frequent Barnes and Noble um, brick and mortar stores, I'm sure that there are. Um, why would they be interested in reading your book, Billion Dollar Fantasy? Well,
6: my my whole goal in writing this book was to actually to write it for people who didn't care about fantasy sports and gambling and even maybe even sports. I mean, I think what I did was try to write a story based on just really interesting characters. So you got this mom in Scotland who was behind the marketing war. You've got this nerd from Boston who you know, has been kind of like um, overlooked all his um, career and just wanted had a ship on his shoulder. So he wanted to start DraftKings. You got a poker player um, in San Francisco who is a high-stakes gambler but has a lot of conflict about what he does. So um, it was very much the target audience, to be quite honest, is the, the, the person that doesn't care about or hasn't followed any of this stuff and just wants to read a good story about characters because there, there are a lot of great journalists who follow this story on a, on a day-to-day basis and, and do a more thorough job reporting it on a day-to-day level than I do. But what I wanted to do was bring it to a, make it a more human story where um, the reader is really going to be grabbed by the characters. It's a classic sort of startup story, a story of outsiders coming in and um, and, and, and uh, causing some trouble.
3: <laughs> right, right. I, I'll, I'll read it. I'm intrigued. Uh, definitely followed it from, from the beginning. So I definitely want to see uh, what I can learn from that. those uh, companies starting uh, those battles and with the FBI and what have you, raiding and uh, getting involved. Albert, best of luck with the new book. Um, appreciate a couple of minutes here.
6: Thanks so much. This is great.
3: Thank you. That's Albert Chan. Go get his book, Billion Dollar Fantasy. The Jets have made a trade. Yes, the New York football Jets. Well, not the football Jets, but back with that
4: Someone is searching your name or business online. What will they find? Do you have negative search results online? Do you have false accusations, records from a legal situation, or bad press from your past? To reclaim your reputation, call 1 888 We Delete or visit GuaranteedRemovals.com. That's 1 888 933 3538 or visit GuaranteedRemovals.com. If there is any negative information about you online, GuaranteedRemovals.com will permanently delete it for you. That's right. It is possible to remove negative content from the Internet. And removals.com is the only company focusing on permanently deleting negative online content. We have successfully removed over 10,000 links, including news articles, arrest records, legal documents, business complaints, blogs, pictures, videos, and more. We offer a no-money-upfront guarantee. You don't pay until your online content is removed. Call 1-888-WE-DELETE to talk to our dedicated specialists who are here to assist you. That's 1-888-933-3538 or
7: GuaranteedRemovals.com. The sun can make your outdoor deck.
3: Good song here, Danny. Good job, Danny. Beastie Boys, little Beastie Boys, back in the day. 80s. No sleep till Brooklyn. All right, the Jets have made a trade. Demarius Thomas, they get the Demarius Thomas from the Patriots. Why is that interesting? Well, because Bill Belichick did business with the New York Jets. That's why. That's why it's interesting to me. How much will Demarius Thomas help the Jets on the field? I don't know. Not, not a great deal. I mean, the win total in Vegas is not going up because they just acquired Demarius Thomas from the New England Patriots for a sixth-round pick in 2021. Um, the fact that the Patriots and Bill Belichick are willing to ship Demarius Thomas to the New York Jets tells you a lot. Yeah, they needed to get rid of a receiver because they just signed Antonio Brown. I get that. But Belichick hates doing business with the Jets, all right? He hates the Jets organization. Um, so that's, that's why it's interesting to me. But the Jets, uh, although I, I battle back and forth with Jet fans all the time, they are, are not happy with their football club, their football team. I get it. I mean, Adam Gase, they choked away that, that win uh, against the, the Bills. But if they had a kicker, it would have been a different story. Right now, the Jets on FanDuel Sportsbook to make the playoffs plus 320. No, minus 440, all right? Regular season wins. The New York Jets right now seven over or under, over, baby. They're going over seven wins, plus 100. How about that? That's That's a good value. I'm taking it. Look at their schedule. Yeah, they have a tough six, five more games, right? They play the Browns. They play the Pats twice, the Cowboys. One other contending team um, in, in their first six games. Really rough schedule. They need to win this Monday night against the Browns. Um, but after that, it just, it's cake, really. I mean, play the Bengals, the Dolphins twice. They get the Bills, of course, once again. That's not easy. Um, but they have a cake schedule after. Let's run down the schedule because I think that's a good play. You, you want to get in on these win totals? You, you didn't get to the book before the NFL season started, or you want to wait a little bit to, to get better value? Go with the Jets. I love, I love it. Uh, over seven wins, worst case scenario is going to be a push. All right, regardless of Adam Gase and, and how what you think of them, they they winning seven games at the very least, so it's a push. But they're going to win eight. Uh, all right, here here's your schedule: home against the Browns. They should look. That's a, that's a toss up. At New England, that's a loss. Bye week at Philly, that's a loss. Home against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, that's not going to be easy. Home against the Patriots, not going to be easy. So that's the first six games. So it's so it's rough first six games they needed to beat buffalo really if they wanted to make the playoffs really um at jacksonville they could win that game winnable game at miami winnable home for the giants winnable at the redskins winnable home for the oakland raiders remember the raiders as impressive as they were they need to fly across the country um to play the jets at 1 p.m eastern time remember that at the Bengals. winnable home for the uh miami dolphins winnable At the Baltimore Ravens, as great as the Ravens looked, they played the Dolphins, so relax. That's definitely a winnable game. And then they're home for the Pittsburgh Steelers and last game at Buffalo. So uh, they're not winning both of those games. They're going to lose at least one of those last two games. But uh, the winnable schedule. They need to beat the Browns this week. So much is on the game this week against the Cleveland Browns. um, With Odell Beckham coming back to New York. Yeah, he didn't play against the Jets, but... um, I'll give them a win. So that's one. Let's go Jacksonville, two. Miami, three. Giants, four. Redskins, five. Raiders, six. Cincinnati, seven. Miami, eight. So, okay, all right. Let, let's say they lose to the Browns. or are 0-6. Okay, to start the year. Ten games left. They could definitely win seven of their last ten games. And then you get your push. So, at, at the least, they're 7-9. and nine. I think that's, that's a good play. Jets, over. All right, enough of the Jets. They, they get Demarius the Thomas. All right, I mentioned this. Logan Ryan, Titans, beer sprayed on them, and the NFLPA is looking into security and, and, and what have you with their players. One thing the Titans did that I don't like is opposing players, okay? When you're in a stadium, when you're on the road, and you're beating that team to a pulp, as the Titans did to the Browns, Don't antagonize the fans. Don't jump into the stands, okay? Now, that's no excuse for a fan to to, uh, pour beer on a player, but it's just beer. I mean, is it the worst thing in the world? I mean, right? Did Did he physically harm any of the players, okay? I mean, it's beer for crying out loud, and you're antagonizing the fans by jumping into the stands. Don't cross that barrier. It's one thing if it's the home team, okay? But the visiting team... When you're beating your the, the that team that home team to a pulp, okay, you want to antagonize the fans by jumping into the stands and rubbing it rubbing it in, no excuse for the behavior. But come on, be more mature than that if you're the the football players, okay, and stop crying because a beer was spilt on you. Oh, big deal. All right, could have been a lot worse. All right, Just relax with that. Just the NFL should should warn, okay, fans, um, of course, right. You'll get thrown out of the game. I get it. You know, pouring beer on on, on players uh, is is no way to act. You know, come on, stop with that. But if you're a player, the NFL should warn these these players. If you're in a visiting stadium, all right, be careful. And and don't be stupid by jumping into the stands, especially when you're beating that team, okay, by a healthy margin. So uh, I don't see enough of that. I don't see enough the other way. I mean, everyone is... Is uh, the narrative is condemning you know, you know calling these these Browns fans trash and you know, you know classless and and what have you and that may, uh, might be the case but let's also all right put the some of the blame on the players the Titans players for jumping into the stands and antagonizing those fans so uh, I wanted to get that off my chest all right because I don't see enough people. Um, Blaming uh, the Titans fans, or at least putting some of the blame on them. And it's beer. Could have been a lot worse. Relax. Um, also, some other news. Odell Beckham Jr. He's going to keep wearing his $190,000 watch in games. And okay, whatever. He's going to fight the NFL. The NFL doesn't want him because it violates the uniform code. Here we go. Uh, whatever. I mean, we just we, we make too much of these things. Just, all right, fine. Wear it. I don't care. It shouldn't be... A, a story but some people have mentioned it Durant Kevin Durant talked about uh the circus of the NBA and and what have you uh made a, uh, was in an interview with the Wall Street Journal okay good good very well let's look at the uh, NFL not the NFL but the college football week 3 all right let's take a look it's not a great week as i mentioned earlier um UCLA Oklahoma uh Syracuse Clemson you know the top 25 games of intrigue Iowa Iowa State i like that game a lot um, on the road for Iowa in Ames. Two and a half, the Hawks are favored over the Cyclones in this game. Okay, total is 44 and a half. Matt Campbell squad, very impressive. Struggled week one, very impressive since Matt Campbell uh, came to that um, Iowa State program. Kirk Ferentz, rivalry game, been in Iowa forever. Iowa shut out Rutgers 30 to nothing at home week two. Tough play uh, here on the road at Iowa State. Don't like the line at two and a half. Would definitely take the points in Iowa State plus two and a half right now. That's my early play. Right now, Iowa State, I like in that game plus two and a half. Notre Dame, New Mexico. I mean, look at these lines. 34 and a half is the spread. Alabama, South Carolina, 25 and a half. Alabama's favorite in that one. Ohio State, Indiana, 15 and a half. It's just a bad week of college football. It really is. They're, they're, these games, are just they, they suck. Let's be honest, they suck. George is playing uh, Arkansas State, 33-and-a-half. I mean, all your dogs. Maryland uh, is at Temple. that that That's a good game. It's only seven and a half. I would think Maryland would be heavy favorites in that game. The way their offense has played to start the year, 79 and 63 points against Howard and then against Syracuse. You have Pittsburgh and Penn State, 17-point spread in that rivalry game. That's not even a great game. But you never know. Like I said, these these games. There's always a surprise uh, every year. Here we go. Syracuse, Clemson, again another one. The number one team in the, in, in all the land. Twenty-seven and a half point favorites at Syracuse. Kind of like the half. I know Tommy DeVito's played awful. He, he's just you know they really miss uh, Dungey, a quarterback. Uh, the Orange do. Um, that defense was shredded by Maryland last year, uh, last week. Uh, but that was at College Park. It's now in Syracuse. 27 and a half is a lot to cover. uh Clemson did not cover the 16, 17 and a half uh at some some places, some sports book against Texas AM at home. Will they cover 27 and a half? I don't think so. But so right now I like the Syracuse, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I don't like I don't want to take Syracuse after uh what happened uh against Maryland last week. You know, you have Auburn, Kent State, 35 and a half point spread. One other game. Oklahoma, UCLA. Oklahoma, 23 point favorites on the road. UCLA's 23 point dogs at home. And they should be. They're owned too. They lost to San Diego State last week. Um, They're not going to be in this game. Oklahoma's going to roll. Kyla Murray, I mean, your early favorite for the Heisman Trophy. And looking, I mean, o- Oklahoma's schedule is a joke for the first six games. I mean, it really is. I mean, they, all right, they played Houston. That's not too bad, but I um, they play nobody until they face Texas in in the first or second week of October in there, you know, at Dallas. So uh, that'll be interesting, a game, and we'll know more about Jalen Hurts and that Oklahoma team in October. We're not going to find out much this week against UCLA. I thought going into the year Chip Kelly's squad would be much improved. Ha- they have not shown that. Oklahoma, I mean, they're going to roll. I don't see how UCLA is going to slow them down. I, I, I like UCLA. Um, don't like UCLA in that game. Uh, I don't like the points. 23 points. I think Oklahoma almost covers that. That's my early uh, read in, in in that game. Uh, but, yeah, just a bunch of dog games. Michigan's off this week. Big game next week against Wisconsin. So, we'll we'll learn a lot about Michigan. We probably learned a lot against Army under estimated the Army squad. Uh, 23 was the, was the spread. They did not cover. Michigan did not cover in that when They won 24-21 in overtime, in double overtime. Now, this week, uh, next week, against Wisconsin, number 14, Wisconsin comes into town. Should be interesting. We'll learn a lot about um, Josh Gaddis and that offense, that new offense with the RPOs. And if they do it, they got to they open up this offense. Come on. We've been promised this all offseason long since Jim Harbaugh gave up the play-calling duties. Let's see it against Wisconsin, but always, always a struggle, always a great battle in that one when those two teams get together. All right. We mentioned a little bit uh, NFL early week two um, lines. Another big line is the Ravens, 13 point favorites against the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, Kyler Murray kind of got into a rhythm, you know, second half. Now, a lot of that's Detroit Lions and. Just uh, Matt Patricia just choking away a 24-6 point lead. But they were impressive in the second half and in overtime. The Cardinals were. The Ravens blew out the Dolphins, but the Dolphins are the worst team in football. 59-10. to 10. Ravens even covering a 13-point spread. That's, that's rich. I like the Cardinals plus 13 early, early Tuesday look. These, these things change. As we get to Friday But that's my early lead in, in, in that one But um, should be an interesting, uh, interesting week Baseball, Dave Dombrowski Resigned, fired Whatever is head of baseball operations With the Red Sox We now know why Tom Verducci, Sports Illustrated Explained that I want to get into that Next uh, when we come back and, and give you one MLB best bet Before we get out But Dave Dombrowski Yesterday Kind of shocked the baseball world resigning as head of baseball operations why what happened just one year after winning the world series or less than a year after winning the world series what happened there in boston john henry why? why why'd you do it i'll talk about that next on at the window here on the sports grid tv network
5: Fantasy freestyle. Yes, Giovanni Bernard, if Mixon is gonna miss time, but that's a function of how much time Mixon is missing. And if you really think you would start Giovanni Bernard given the rest of your roster in that time that Mixon is done. That's the way you need to look at this with people that are replacing him. Would they crack your starting lineup anyway? Well, if the answer is no, and it's like a three-week injury, then do you really need to spend your priority on that or your fat budget on it? I understand making the assets, but you
0: gotta prioritize sometimes. Monday and Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on FTSY Radio and on Zumo TV, channel 719.
3: Back on At The Window on the Sports Grid TV network. Dombrowski, basically, as Tom Verducci, Sports Illustrated, uh, wrote about today, was let go because of the process going forward. They need to rebuild this, this, this um, organization, and they didn't think Dombrowski was the guy at 63 years old to lead the way. Because he's a guy who relies on instincts, you know, and his knowledge of the game and not basically... Analytics and what have you and going forward they're going to have to be smarter with their money uh and Chris sale signing Chris sale out of that big contract in the offseason Dombrowski pushed for it has does not look good going forward uh for the Red Sox paying uh Chris sale that large amount of money looks like he's slowing down and what have you so that was a big reason why and David Price say oh a lot of money to David Price and and uh Ivaldi for that matter um but it's interesting because you would think Dombrowski would get a mulligan a year after winning the World Series, a mulligan, and and you know what? I have to applaud the Red Sox. I mean, it's it's a that's guts to fire your uh, head of baseball ops one year. That's like George Steinbrenner esque one year after winning the World Series. So, um, that just shocked me yesterday. I was just like, why? why? Why did they do this? But that's the reason why uh, they're out of it. Uh, the Red Sox this year, Yankees owned them this year. By the way, uh, and tonight, best bet, St. Louis. Against the Rockies, Michael Waka on the hill. Not going with that game, but the Cardinals are playing terrific baseball. Flaherty is the best pitcher in the second half. Jack Flaherty is. Uh, Cardinals are a threat in the National League. Uh, the Mets are playing better baseball as well of late. They have Zach Wheeler on the hill tonight against a gallon of the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks were hot. Uh, the, Red Sox, uh, the Red Sox. The Red Sox. The Mets took one 3-1 yesterday um, in that one. And for the Yankees... Cortez against Jackson of the Tigers. Yankees are minus 320 against the worst team in baseball, the Tigers. Not touching that. Too much juice. But they should win. They should win that game, even, even with Cortez on the mound. Uh, best bet for you tonight. I, I like I the Dodgers, too, but minus 320 against the Orioles. Not going to pull the trigger on that one. Let's go with Wheeler and the Mets. Yep, they'll do it again at home against the Diamondbacks in the playoff race. Four games out of the Cubs. In the wild card, second wild card, minus 128. Juice on the money line. Take the Mets. That'll do it for At the Window here on a Tuesday. Studio 34. Up next, Gabe Marenzi and Cam Stewart. Game time decisions. See you tomorrow.